Welcome again to Midweek Bible Study. My name is Seth Simmons. I'm assistant pastor here at New Life Austin. And we trust that you all had a happy Father's Day. We had a wonderful time here Sunday. The ministry of Bishop Bernard was very effective and we appreciated him coming and being able to minister with us. We have one more Sunday in June and we appreciate your continued patience and flexibility. Uh, We'll put out a new plan for July Uh, After this coming Sunday, of course, we're trying to gauge the feedback we receive from the governor and from the mayor to do what's best and safest for our church community. So uh, this coming Sunday, of course, will be the same as it has been throughout the month of June. Those with last names from A through K at 930, you have a service. Doors open at 915. Those with last names L through Z, uh, your service is at 1130 a.m., and doors open at 11.15. And of course, we'd still offer service online at 11.30 a.m. That's on Facebook, our website, and on YouTube. And as we've been letting you know, we bought a church. We bought a church in Burkina Faso, and we're excited about being a part of what God is doing around the world. What struck me is when Pastor made this commitment to the missionaries there in Burkina Faso, He said that we're going to give our way out of COVID. And I believe that's what we can do as a people of God. We want to not allow the struggles that we're going through to keep us from our mission. And by the grace of God, we're going to make a difference around the world. And we're going to keep moving forward. So if you'd like to join us, you can give at newlifeaustin.com forward slash give. And the church, to to build a new facility for this church community costs $9,000. We can do this together. The same amount that one of us might pay for a vehicle, we can give a whole church community a brand new facility. So we're going to do it together. And this Father's Day, there was a really unique gift given to Pastor Shaw in partnership with Empyrean Roasters. There's now two special coffee blends. That Every time you buy either one of these coffee blends, all the proceeds go to this church in Burkina Faso toward us building that facility. So I think that was a really unique gift uh, by our men's ministry. I appreciate them doing that. If you want more information about that, you can check our our social media pages and also go to empyreanroasters.com and you'll be able to find more information there. Before we go into this final lesson of the series today, we want to go to the Lord in prayer and pray for God to continue to be with His people, give us His grace through this time. Of course, we want to remember those that have been affected by COVID. Uh, Ruben Rodriguez, we got a good report today that he's doing better. And so we want to pray for God's continued strength in his life. He's able to finally take some time breathing on his own off of the ventilator, which is a really good sign. So we appreciate that. Matthews Thomas, of course, also has COVID. And we want to pray for him. It's day to day. He's at home. And he's able to push through. But we do want to pray for God's strength and also Morgan Guyton as well. And no doubt, there are people that you're beginning to know that have been affected by this. And we've all been affected by it in one way or the other. We want to pray for God's grace to strengthen us. A few other needs we want to lift up to the Lord tonight. Surgery recovery, uh, Jason Fruget is recovering from surgery. Fred Blackman is also recovering from surgery. And uh, Sister Laura Hine, too. We'll be having surgery, so we're going to pray for her. Let's just continue to pray for our church. 
God's in control. And as difficult as this season has been, we have confidence in Him. He's a rock. And no matter what we're going through, He's stable, He's solid, and He's going to lead us and guide us. So let's pray for our church, that God will move on our behalf, protect us, uh, provide for us, and help us continue to fulfill His purpose in this world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for what you're doing among your people. We're lifting up all these needs to you tonight. We pray that you would have your way in each and every one. We thank you, God, for your provision. We thank you, God, for being with us every step of the way. And we know that you're going to continue to lead us and guide us as your people. Continue to give us peace that passes understanding so that we can fulfill your purpose in this world, God. Even now, the church hasn't stopped being the church, and you haven't stopped being God. You're still on your throne, and I pray, God, that you'd help us to move forward in faith and let your will be fulfilled through us. In Jesus' holy name. Well, this is the final lesson in a series we've had over the last month on Wednesday nights called Cut the Ropes to the Lifeboats. And what we've been looking at is the book of Acts, the Acts narrative. Luke, of course, wrote Acts. And this is what many scholars believe is an authenticating document. Because you can imagine Luke's writing to that first century, uh, those first century Christians, many Gentile Christians, and they're facing severe persecution. They have persecution from former people in Judaism, and then they have persecution from the Roman government. And Luke's writing to this church to encourage them to let them know that your story is not some new upstart story, but your story has a rich history that goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. Your story is what God is doing in the world today. And so Luke writes to legitimize the Christian movement, but he also is letting Christians know that you will be witnesses of this new movement. In this world, you're going to be salt and light and shine for God in ways beyond what we could often imagine. And he uses, toward the latter part of the book of Acts, he uses the life of the Apostle Paul to show how Christians will be able to shine as a witness in this new world. In, beyond simply Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of of the world. And what we've noticed in this final narrative in Acts 27, the shipwreck narrative, it's a very common uh, technique that writers would use at the time, somewhat akin to maybe like a modern day car chase in a movie. It happened a lot, but the purpose for the shipwreck, it was a literal shipwreck, it actually happened, but Luke is writing to convey meaning to the church. And some of the meaning that we've looked at over the last several weeks, we've tried to draw from this scripture, Acts 27, verse 31 through 32. And as they're in the midst of the storm, and they're, they're going through the struggle of the storm, the, the sailors on the ship had exhausted all the resources, and the scripture says there was no hope. And they had put a lifeboat on the ship as, as a final safety measure for themselves, and whatever happens to the people on the boat, so be it. Well, they go and they try to act like they're putting down anchor to help the people aboard the ship. 
but really they're secretly trying to put the lifeboat in the waters. And you can imagine the torrent of the sea, these giant waves billowing over the ship, and everybody's hasn't eaten for days, they're tired, they're worn, and these sailors are abandoning ship. They're going to let these people come what made to them. They're going to try to save themselves. And Paul speaks up. And Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. The temptation was to abandon ship because the storm had gotten too difficult. It, it was too tough. And they were anticipating that this would be at least a salvation for them. If no one else, they could at least save themselves. But what they didn't realize is that lifeboats are not strong enough for the storm. They should have known this as experienced sailors, but lifeboats can't withstand the storm. We've been using this scripture to illustrate that there's often a temptation in us when we face struggle, when we go through things that are overwhelming, is to abandon ship, is to find selfish means to alleviate pain. Selfish means that it does, we get to a point of desper, desperation where we don't even care if it takes us away from God's purpose. We just want an out. And so we've been using this metaphor of the sailors trying to get into the lifeboat as a metaphor for our lives. Are we trying to escape temporary struggle for the purpose for selfish purposes? But when we do that, we're actually hurting ourselves because lifeboats were not meant to withstand the storm. Another powerful image that we've been looking at is this video clip that illustrates what happens to a ship in a storm. So I want to show that to you one more time. Lifeboats were not meant for the storm. They, they can't withstand the power of the waves in a storm. And so what we need to do is cut the ropes to the lifeboats. We don't have an out because God has given us an ordained purpose. And we are going to live as a people of God pursuing that purpose. Pursuing Him because we know He's in control. There's been several applications made over those first three lessons. First was our relational purpose. In the middle of the storm, you need to be like Paul. In the middle of the storm, he, he sought God. He sought God and he got a word from an angel that, am I going to perish in this storm? Is this the end? Or am I going to fulfill the purpose that you have for me? And the angel of the Lord confirmed to Paul that, yes, you will go on to Rome and preach the gospel. And so Paul was able to let the people know and encourage them as a result of hearing from God. 
So in the first lesson we learned, we've got to hear from God. In the middle of this, let His voice be the loudest thing ringing in your ear, in your ears. Not all the echo chamber of the news and the media and all that stuff. You've got to silence that somehow and hear the voice of God. And whenever we hear the voice of God, it gives us clarity on our missional purpose. And in lesson two, we looked at that. Paul was able to be a witness because he had heard from God. And so he was able to encourage the people on the boat. He was able to be a leader. He was able to care for them, providing food for them, building a fire when they landed on Malta. And even more so than that, Paul was able to be a witness to the people on, on Malta in ways that they had never anticipated. Much like we've experienced throughout this process is we've been able to witness to people through live stream media and they've come to church and been baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. People we had, would have never possibly reached without this. So yes, this stinks. Yes, we're going through it. But God's purpose is still being fulfilled. And then last week we looked at a unique aspect of the narrative that many scholars confirm is that Luke had used an aquatic display, the, the shipwreck uh, narrative, to also show how Paul, Paul had interacted with the Roman authorities. He was unjustly persecuted. He was unjustly condemned. Unjustly condemned. But yet, Luke shows us how he was able to find favor in the eyes of officials. A, a man in Roman chains, on a, on a Roman ship, led by a Roman centurion to Rome, to be most likely executed in Rome. But he was still able to be a witness, and God's purpose prevailed every time he turned around. And so as we faced, face injustice in this world, we have been given a, a proper means to, to stand against injustices. Like Paul, we can appeal to our rights within the framework of the government. Like Paul, we can find favor in the eyes of, of officials. Like Paul, we can be a witness among this, with the centurion. We can be a witness among all those officials. And also, like Paul, ultimately, Rome is not in control. Ultimately, human authorities are not in control. We are submissive to the authorities in this world, but we always live as ambassadors, as representatives of a higher authority, and that's what guides our values. That's what guides our communication. That's what guides our interactions in this world. So if you weren't able to be with us the first three weeks, hopefully you have a little bit of picture, better picture of, of this narrative and what's happening in this story. And tonight I want to wrap up with this focus. How can this story apply to us as a church? Right now, in this season, in a very pragmatic, practical way. I've spent the last three weeks building confidence in the interpretation of the scripture and the narrative. So you can go back to those three lessons to look at all the details of this narrative. But tonight I want to shift gears and focus on some practical application. And I want to take this principle of cutting the, boats, the ropes to the lifeboats, and I want to apply that to our church. I was struck by this quote from Boniface, an 8th century apostle to the Germans. He said, the church is like a great ship pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. He wrote that in the 8th century. 
that it's so applicable for us here today. Before I go further, I want you to understand that I'm aware of the sensitivity of the variety of circumstances we're facing as a church right now. There are many people that would love to be at these in-person services. There are many people that would love to be here, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters, hugging each other's necks, but they're unable to be here. Elder Shaw comes to mind. They came to a service, but uh, haven't been able to come to as many in-person services. And he's reached out a couple times after these Wednesday nights to let me know how much God was ministering to him and also to encourage me. He sent me encouragement. Uh, another friend of mine talked about that they're not able to come because of uh, their parents they, they live with there at the home. And uh, they have to be very cautious and careful. So I'm aware of these circumstances. And these lessons are not meant to be a rebuke for those that aren't able to be with us. But I want instead this hopefully to be an encouragement to you. Keep on keeping on. In, in the best way that you know how, and hopefully tonight's lesson will give you some more practical ways to do that. Let's persevere. Let's push on and see the will of God fulfilled. Today in my Bible reading, I was reading 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30 and the story of David and his mighty men after the Amalekites had come and, and while they were away at battle, they had stole their wives and the, and the young women as well. And so they chased after them. But as they were chasing after them, they had 600 men. 200 of them came, became weary and they stopped and they were unable to go on. So 400 pursued, had a great victory. God helped them reclaim all that had been lost. And as they were coming back, some of the men that had went and won this victory didn't want to share the spoils of victory. Didn't want to share with the 200 who had stayed back. And David replied in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 23, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. And David made this a statute, an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. It struck me as I was preparing for this lesson for those that are unable to be with us now at the forefront of what God is doing. You know, some of our elders, brothers and sisters, and some of those that are sick in their body, you have to be cautious, and that's understandable. And I want you to realize that whatever, however this season is affecting you, we are going to share in the victories together. You know, maybe just a few may be able to be on the front line, so to speak, fighting the battles, coming to in-person services, doing all the stuff here, although we know we all want to be a part. But we're all going to share in the victories during this season as the people of God. And just like David said, even if your role right now is to stay and just watch the equipment, it's still important. If, you're, if your role is to stay at home and pray, if your role, role right now is to... to to stay at home and reach out to people through a phone call, through a text message. 
You just keep on keeping on. We're going to share in victories together because everyone is going to make an impact during this season, even those that feel like they've been left behind and are unable to go to the front lines of this fight. So let that encourage you as I go through the rest of this lesson. It's not a rebuke. My, my goal is to encourage us, each find our place. And that's going to look different during this season. Because the way that we pursue the purpose of God changes over the course of our life, and especially now. I was thinking about this for my personal life, you know, how Sarah and I, we've tried to follow the will of God. God, of course, brought us into New Life Austin in 2000, June of 2000. It's a Thursday night before Pentecost Sunday at a prayer meeting. I've shared that before. And for about five years or so, we served in pretty much every capacity of the church. So we served in nursing home ministry, young adult ministry, youth ministry, pretty much, you know, greeting, cleaning up, whatever we needed to do, we just served. And then in 2004, we went to Luling. We still were members of New Life Austin, but we would drive during the week and about an hour one way to Luling, and we served as a youth pastor there for a year. And then in January 2005, I was a senior at the University of Texas. Pastor Bernard asked if I'd be a youth pastor. I was like, sure, I'm a part-time data entry at a police department. <laughs> you know, this would be great. And, uh, and so I took that opportunity and became youth pastor here at New Life. And then in 2006, when I graduated, I was also a licensed minister and, from, uh, and served as youth pastor for several years. In June 2011, served as pastor of New Life Hutto, and then recently in 2016, came back to New Life Austin uh, to serve as assistant. And through that time, served in various capacities with district youth ministry and currently for the district ministry as well, South Central Texas. I'm sharing all this to say, I've, we've tried to follow the purpose of God, but the purpose of God has, has had different methods, different aspects of service over the short term of our life. Life is going to change. Life is going to morph and adapt. But the purpose remains the same. When we had first came back to New Life Austin, a well-meaning friend doesn't live around here. He probably just caught the highlights of our lives and didn't really know us. But He was like, well, maybe you'll stay here a while. And kind of maybe insinuating that we had been changing a lot. I was like, well, first, we've been a part of New Life Network for 20 years and in the same capacities of, of ministry with the New Life Network in South Texas for 15 years. But secondly, I didn't choose any of these transitions. I didn't go out and think, I'm going to be that. I'm going to do that. But as we seek to fulfill the will of God, through prayer, through, through counsel, through trying to, sometimes God prying our fingers off of one thing to move us to another thing. God's will unfolds and His purpose is fulfilled when we seek to obey. I haven't always got it right. I've made plenty of mistakes. I'll share another time. But for the point for this illustration is that sometimes I think we have a limited view of God's calling and His purpose in our lives. We have a, a limited view to where we think that it's always going to be comfortable or exactly what we had in mind or exactly what we desire. I'm always struck by the irony that in, in one of our 
cities here in South Central Texas district, in the northwest part of town, everybody feels a call to that part of town. And we have an overwhelming majority of people planting churches in that area. But no one's apparently, quote-unquote, feeling a call to the south side rough part of town. My friend and I have joked about that, thought about that. It's kind of ironic. Is God not calling anyone there? Or are we filtering our calling through what pleases us, what's comfortable to us? One author said it like this, coming into your calling means coming out of your comfort zone. Paul is in the middle of a storm. He's been beat. He's been persecuted. He's in chains. But he is filled with purpose. God's purpose. God's purpose is not always comfortable. But it will always be meaningful and fulfilling. No matter what discomfort, temporary discomfort we may go through. We're asking ourselves now, what does purpose look like here in this season? Well, if we're using this narrative as a metaphor for our church, think about this storm, this COVID crisis, the current social unrest, the, the injustices, the, the struggle, the turmoil, all this stuff happening in our volatile culture. And the boat could be the methods of the church. We've been going through the storm with the methods that we have, trying to persevere. And now... We don't know how these methods are going to work. We don't have church like normal. We don't have life groups like normal. We don't have everything that we're so used to that has carried us this far seems to be falling apart. And the temptation is, well, I'm just going to get in my own little lifeboat and abandon ship. I'm just going to have my my own way to make it through this because what we thought was supposed to get us through this doesn't look like anything that we've seen before. Church doesn't look like church. It doesn't feel like church. But also we have to remember Paul was on a mission. And although the methods that we have, the ship, so to speak, of the church, the the methods that are moving forward, the mission hasn't changed. We're still pursuing God. We're still pursuing His purpose. We're still being witnesses. We're still seeing His will fulfilled through us. Even now. The methods may be falling apart and may not be what we're accustomed to and it may be uh, creating changes every week and we're, we're frustrated with that. But is our hope in the methods or is our hope in Jesus Christ and His mission? If my hope's in the methods of the church, I'm going to be pretty frustrated right now. But if my hope is in Jesus Christ and His purpose, then I'm going to be all right. God is our hope. So it's time for us to get back in the boat, even if the methods are seem to be falling apart. Just like Paul urged those sailors, if you, if you go for your own thing, it's not going to work. Stay with what God is doing through the church. I'm going to try to give an illustration of this, a couple things, if we have time. This is how I'm envisioning what's happening right now or what happens with lifeboat visions. You may have seen this illustration before, but imagine this is the ship or the church 
And this is the wake of the ship. And oftentimes, vision is illustrated as long as we and our families stay within the wake, within the vision of the pastor and vision of the church, everything's going to be okay. That's how we typically think in an individualistic culture. I'm going to stay within the vision of the church, and, and that's how we function as a people of God. The challenge with that is that when you have a lot of little boats, you have a lot of little visions, and you have a lot of little captains. And when you're out in the lifeboats, the whole point of sending out a lifeboat is that you don't have confidence in the mothership. And also what happens is they don't, we don't always follow after the mothership. So within this wake, we may take a detour here and then someone goes off here. These two will go this way and there's conflict because what's happening is we're pursuing our own visions within this big vision. And oftentimes those visions will lead us astray. And what's supposed to be a uniform direction and a flow is not functioning that way because we still have our own personal vision, our own personal focus that is different than the main focus of God. Jesus Christ has, sh has set our fundamental mission. Go ye therefore into all the world, teaching people, baptizing people, making disciples. That has not changed in the midst of everything that we're going through. So we may be tempted to go a different route and preserve ourselves because that's what our family, we think our family needs, but we are actually going to hurt ourselves if we lead our family away from the purpose that Jesus Christ has set for us. Do we think that it was easy for the first century Christians to function as Christians in a society where they would be martyred for their faith? Well, it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be easy. But by the grace of God, what we have to do is cut the ropes to the lifeboats. And we need to get back in the mothership, so to speak. In other words, we have a shared mission vision that even now we are going to follow after the will of God. Even now we're going to see the will of God fulfilled in New Life Austin, the mission of Christ fulfilled in New Life Austin. So instead of us abandoning ship and going in our lifeboats in our own different ways, it's time for us to get back in the boat, cut the ropes to the lifeboats and get back in the boat. For the sake of time, I want to explain how this might look in this season. Faithfulness is going to look different now. Faithfulness may not look like it has looked in the past. I just mentioned church attendance. Well, many people cannot come to in-person services. So your faithfulness is going to look different. How do we cut the ropes to the lifeboats? How do we embrace a shared vision? I'm going to try to sh tell us right now some ways that we can do this. Your faithfulness may be watching online when it's time for church. Your faithfulness may be inviting people online when it's time for church. So your faithfulness, you feel that angst in your heart because you're not able to come to in-person services. Well, if that's who you are, how can you then be faithful? How can you then support the mission? Don't, don't think all or nothing. Think, hey, if, if I'm unable to go to the in-person services, 
how I'm going to make this, how am I going to make this, these constraints work for the mission of God? And if you are able to go to in-person services, I pray that you will have the courage just to step out and go and don't allow apathy to keep you from the people of God. We need you here as well. We want to see God do extraordinary things in these services while we are together. Faithfulness will be like it always has been in this regard. We're going to be faithful in our devotions, faithful in prayer. Everyone can still pray. Prayers can still go beyond the walls of the church. Prayers can still change hearts and lives, starting with our own. And as we align ourselves with God's will, that's what prayer does. As we align ourselves with God's will and what He's doing in the world right now in this season, we're going to be effective ministers for Him. Be faithful with our devotions. Be faithful in caring for the body. That's going to look different than it has in the past. We're not able to to care for each other in our in-person services and in physical locations. But what can we do? We can pick up the phone and we can call someone. We can reach out to someone through social media. We can reach out to someone and send a text. We can do all the things within the constraints that we have. It's not all or nothing. God is still going to be the God in the middle of this, and the church still needs the church in the middle of this. Now is the time where consumers are going to be revealed. And again, I'm not trying to be harsh or a rebuke. But current church doesn't fit the consumer model. It's awkward. You have to follow constraints to come to the in-person services. Nothing's functioning like you want. Our our worship team and our production staff and everybody and pastor and our our guest ministers are are doing an extraordinary job of communicating the gospel, leading in worship. We have we have excellent production, excellent music, excellent communication. And God is using those things. But if you're a consumer wanting church like you've always had it and it was always for you and it was just to make you feel good and and, and a sense of pleasure, well, it's really hard to get that right now because it doesn't fit the paradigm of a consumer model church. But right now, consumers are going to be exposed, but the people of God are going to also be come to the fore and be in the light. The people of God are still going to be caring for people. The people of God are still going to be praying. The people of God are still going to be together as often as possible. This is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity for the people of God to be the people of God. And there is nothing that this world can throw against us that will keep us from fulfilling God's will in our lives. Right now, giving looks a lot different. And we may not be giving for a program here at the church because we're not sure how things are going to go. Although we encourage you to stay faithful in your building the vision commitments as you are able. But if you're unable to do those things and we're trying to figure out what do we give to? Well, I tell you what we're going to give to. We're going to give to missions that is happening around the world. We're going to give to Burkina Faso. Hopefully you're seeing what I'm talking about. We're not going to allow the current constraints to keep us from fulfilling the mission of God. We are the church. We are the people of God. So now is the time to cut the ropes to all the lesser things in our lives that would distract us from being who God has created us to be. One of my professors in school said this. He said, anyone can tear down a house. It's much harder and requires much more skill to build a house. In the same way, 
It's easy to tear down a church community or organization through divisiveness. It takes work and skill to build unity in a community. I don't know of any divisiveness you know, going on in our church right now. But I do know it's going to take work to build unity, especially now. Let's rise up, church. Let's rise up and be who God wants us to be. I can't tell you all the ways that you're going to uniquely contribute to the body. God knows. Maybe this is a way that we're going to awaken some talents and giftings inside of us that we have lied dormant, that we hadn't know, did not know how we were going to express. Well, maybe now's the time. And what's going to happen is the more people commit to the mission, to the church, to New Life Austin, to what we're doing even in this time, we're going to create a synergy and a culture, a culture of determination, a culture of focus, a culture of it doesn't matter of toughness. It doesn't matter what this world throws at us. We are going to persevere. We are going to see the will of God fulfilled through us, and nothing is going to keep us. If we have to go to two services. And if we have to have sanitation teams, if we have to wear masks, if we have to have airwave greetings, and if we have to open the doors for everybody, if we have to have recorded lessons, if we have to have Zoom Bible studies, if we have to have life group leaders reaching out through all these different means, if we have to, whatever it takes, we're going to do it. Steve Miller is leading a drive-through prayer that's going to happen on Thursday nights. What's happening? People are saying, I've got to do something, and I'm going to do something no matter what the constraints are. Hopefully you hear my heart and you feel my heart tonight. Let God use you now in whatever way he is empowering you. The ideas that he's putting in your heart, go for it. We'll figure out the logistics. We'll figure out the methods. It's not about the methods. It's about the mission. And God is going to use us to fulfill his mission even now. There's a liberty that comes in knowing I'm all in. There's a liberty that comes in, in thinking, all right, God, what are we going to do now? Whenever you reach that point, you'll feel a freedom and the joy of fulfillment that, God, your purpose is still going to be fulfilled and we have confidence in you. So cut the ropes to the lifeboats. Church, New Life Austin, Methods are changing. Not necessarily because we wanted to or thought they needed to change, but they have to. But the mission is not changing. The mission is moving forward. And we're going to see church members continue to adapt. This isn't just about pastor and the leadership team giving you something that you should do. This is about the Spirit of God rising up among His people and we become a Book of Acts church where every single believer embraces their mission, their calling for God. I believe that with all my heart. Oh, I, I feel like there's a, there's a giant that's asleep that, that God is awaking up and you are that giant. God is going to use you to do extraordinary things. Let that kindle your faith. 
The methods are changing. Things feel chaotic, but your mission is staying the same. So focus on your mission, and that will clarify all the things in your life that need to be let go, all the the directions that, that you feel tempted to go that are contrary to God's will. Fulfill His purpose, and everything will be crystal clear. Go after it with all your heart. God's going to help us through this. We, have a, we don't know how long ahead of us. We've got a road ahead of us. And it doesn't matter where it leads. God's going to get us through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for what you're doing in our church community. Thank you, God, for the power of your spirit, the comfort of your spirit. God, the clarity that purpose in you brings. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would encourage my brothers and sisters. Lord, let faith rise even now on a Wednesday night. Let faith rise in our hearts. Let ideas be sparked. Let, let, let new ministry ideas come to the fore. We don't have to do things as we've always done them. And if we have to adapt and change, we're going to do that for your glory. I pray, God, that you would lead your people, lead your people to fulfill your mission in a greater and a mightier way than we've ever anticipated. God, we didn't anticipate this calamity, but also the enemy didn't anticipate your people rising up and responding in faith. And I pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of your word, God, that you would let our people have a boldness to exhibit your your glory in this world to shine your hope in this world and to fulfill your mission in this world for your glory. In Jesus' holy name, in Jesus' holy name, we worship you, God. Well, thank you again for joining us. Go in the grace of God and do something for his kingdom. In Jesus' name.